This is Healing Justice, a podcast at the intersections of collective healing and social change. I'm your host, Kate Warning, and it feels so good to be back with you. This is part two of our three-part season one closer, because our season one has been 10 months long. It's been very extra. And so, of course, we're going to be extra with the season closer and make it into three different parts plus a practice. (laughs) But y'all, I'm very excited about this part we're talking about today. You know, last uh, last episode, we heard from Jacoby Ballard and some deeper reflection around what accountability and building something together looks like. We talked about our end of season survey, which you can find at tinyurl.com slash hjp survey you can also find that link in our show notes Um, and this week we're talking with my friend justin campbell who is a professor and an incredible writer that does beautiful visionary truth-telling analysis around race and racism in this country he'll talk about being a six foot six black man Uh, He's a person of faith, he is a person of practice, um, and he's a friend. And so I had a lot of fun talking with Justin about what is the role of practice now that we've built, you know, this library of all of these practice recordings, uh, as we encourage folks to sort of work through that content and use what's been recorded so far, which is still just so the tip of the iceberg in terms of practices that can be cultivating liberation for ourselves and our movements. Uh, How do we begin to navigate that space? How do we use that information? How does it move from idea to being actually integrated and embodied in our lives? So I joined Justin on the phone uh, in the short window uh, that he had between teaching and his kids coming home and needing to take a nap. Uh, So right after we were at the Allied Media Conference in Detroit together in June. So here's our conversation. Hey, Justin, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I know we both just got back from like five super intense days together at Allied Media Conference. Yes, intense so in the good way, you know, lots of good information and people and relationships. Yeah, that's right. Um, I am so excited that you've been kind of an increasingly participatory part of this project. And I'm especially excited to talk to you about the practices that we've shared because some of the stories you shared with me early on this year about how you were using things on the podcast were some of the first awesome stories that I heard. Um, and for me, I feel like if there's one part of this project that I'm the most proud of, it's the fact that we're archiving this practice library through the episodes that always correspond with each conversation that we have with a guest. And I feel like I have to explain that a lot because it's kind of a a funky way to use a podcast. Um, but I feel like one of the big tests or big questions that I had going into this project was, you know, let's make these practices accessible, free, you don't have to travel somewhere. You don't have to pay money. Like, what are the innovations and, and survival and thriving strategies that we can just share with each other via audio? Um, and, uh, and my question was, will people actually do it? Like, 
it's been really fun for me to watch the download numbers and my curiosity has been, okay, like how many people are going to listen to the conversation, but how many are going to actually do the practice? Because that's where it actually gets high bar is we're saying, don't just consume this media and think about it, but do something different in your life. Um, and that's a lot to ask actually from a podcast. Like I don't really know of any other podcast that asks you to like change something in your life live right. on the podcast. Yeah, right. Totally. Um, so I want to ask you about uh, kind of what your experience has been in using one of them out there in LA. Yeah, I had a couple of experiences. Uh, I don't think I, to be honest, intended to use the practices. I'm much more of a like, oh, I'm just going to listen and oh, that's cool. There's a practice, whatever. Uh, then I, a situation came up in my life and the practice presented itself to the podcast around the same time. And I kind of thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go. We're just going to try it out and see how it goes. And um, it ended up being super generative, uh, both for me and the organization that I was a part of. We had some pretty deep conflict and I uh, heard the episode with Julia Coots. I think it's, um, episode six and the practice for that one uh, was mapping group conflict and it ended up being this tool that I was able to uh, not just do for myself in practice but to bring to the to the team uh, and encourage them to do it as well and it became kind of a practice for me that I did throughout the rest of uh, my time since essentially even doing it in a meeting as uh, Celia kind of suggests to do, doing it live um, and seeing the different roles that people are playing, myself included, and being able to kind of analyze it from that 30,000 feet level um, gave me a little bit more clarity uh, going forward with, you know, what should be done or what suggestions I have. And I've even shared it with folks on the team and they're kind of like, yep, that's, basically what we're doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you're thinking uh, about the roles, you say, I see these roles popping up. How does this feel? And they're like, yeah, that's true. Yes. And I think the good, the great thing about the roles, um, when folks go back and listen to that portion, one of the things that Celia suggests is that you don't put names to people. Uh, you put roles that they're playing in the room. And so the nice thing is that it lets you analyze the roles that people are playing absent of gossiping, judging, talking mm. about people behind their back because mm. people play multiple roles at different times in the room probably. Uh, and that's super helpful to kind of see that absent of the kind of main characters taking over the airspace in a, in a room meeting because there are other mm. people there too and they're just as much a part of that dynamic as the people who are talking a lot. And so being mm. able to kind of put all those roles out is super helpful, uh, both from like a facilitation sense, but also from a participant uh, sense. And again, being able to see my own role and being able to choose, because that's one of the things Celia says is that it's about choice. It's about me as, as a person in this space, being able to choose what role I want to play as opposed to falling into a role that I've played in my family system or in mm. you know, other relationships. And being able to choose, okay, this is the kind of role I want to play in this situation, um, as opposed to kind of having that be 
dictated by what's happening on the fly. Mm. I love that. That is so brilliant. I mean, I feel like that's really kind of the advanced version of that practice that you're actually using it live in meetings. Um, Because I feel like sometimes in the moment in group conflict, I can feel so disoriented. And especially to be able to locate yourself in it and say, okay, which part of me is showing up right now? And is that the part I want to choose? It's just super brilliant. So practice six sounds like an impactful one. <laughs> yeah, and it's super practical. And I'm not that other ones aren't, but for me, it just had so much uh, pragmatic usage in the moment that it was presented on the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I'll, uh, I'll say that one story that I got back was about um, practice number three, which was from Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa, uh, who was actually like our first official, official guest on the podcast. Um, and Robin offered a practice called journaling our identity. And I love that one. I've done that one in like workshop settings with Robin before. But one of the things that was so exciting to me um, really just a couple months into the podcast is uh, an incredible, brilliant leader in South Africa reached out, um, I think maybe via our Instagram or Facebook page, and shared that they had been using that practice, um, that it's someone who runs a um, LGBTQ rights organization in South Africa that actually serves the entire continent of Africa and was talking about the incredible risk that they face. I mean, uh, physical bodily risk just for people uh, being out in, in certain countries, right? And this leader had been using that practice. He shared literally every morning, um, answering the question that Robin asks us of who am I and how do I know and free writing on that question. And I was super moved and honored and struck by the fact that someone who's holding so much risk and uh, so much responsibility in their work and in their own identity um, would be leaning on an exercise like that as a resource to the point of doing it as a daily practice. So that was one that uh, really stands out to me as practice three. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have another one that you've used? Yeah, um, it's from uh, episode, let's see, I believe it was 12 um, with Sumitra. Um, yeah. and it was a somatic centering, uh, the practice that comes out of the gender somatics uh, team. And that was also one that I've done personally and also um, was able to bring that to, again, some groups that I'm a part of. and. This is kind of where I think the podcast and the practice space has really kind of opened up new doors for me because I, had, I hadn't really experienced a lot of gender somatic stuff. Uh, and just to have not just the, the ideas about gender somatic talked about, but then also to offer a practice that is, I believe it's 20 minutes, but to have that there able to be accessed at any time. I've sent it to people. I've uh, used it in the different spaces that I'm a part of. Uh, and that accessibility, right, is I think one of the important parts, I think, that the important roles that the podcast plays is giving people access to these things um, at pretty much the snap of a finger. Um, and so I've even heard from people 
that have said, yeah, I just did the somatic centering practice before coming to the meeting. And, uh, and they didn't do it because of me, right? They did it because they were able to go to the podcast and listen to, you know, that episode 12 practice. And so it kind of gives it a, the ability to be disseminated out, right? In a very fast, um, low, <laughs> low risk, right? Kind of way for people to try out some of these practices. And then the fact that it's connected to, you know, a prolific group like gener generative somatics means that if folks love it, right, they can go and get more training with them. Uh, and it's kind of like a, a teaser trailer, I guess you could say, into their larger practice. And so um, I think that's, that's been a powerful use of that. Mm. That's awesome. And and I, I'm remembering you talking a little bit about what it was like for you to sort of like, they talk about feeling into the different dimensions of the body, right? And, uh, and I experienced this weekend you leading a really powerful opening in our workshop at Allied Media Conference, which was not exactly somatic centering, but this concept of feeling into the different dimensions and noticing the intelligence and the information of our bodies in relation to space as like a place to move from, uh, grounded in what matters to us. Right. Uh, like that idea can move forward with us, whether we're doing formally that practice or not. And, and I remember you talking a little bit about feeling into your back and what that was like for you is, can you remind me what, uh, what your experience was of that? Yeah, I think the, the four dimensions, right? The dig, stretching up in dignity, out in connectedness, uh, leaning upon the legacy, wisdom, uh, the ancestors themselves, and then moving forward into what you value um, is such a, I think, important dimensional understanding of the world for me uh, because. Mm -hmm. I'm six foot six, I hunch. And so mm. it's not just this intellectual exercise. It's connecting my body with the way I see myself in the world. And so this practice reminds me that I don't have to hunch. Mm. I don't have to walk around as a six foot six black man trying not to intimidate people. Mm. I can live into my dignity without needing that to be. And I think Demetrius says it on the practice, but having dignity that you don't need somebody else to affirm or mm. exist, right? It exists, period. Mm. So that's been a powerful idea that I think other people have reflected back to me. And then also connection as well and kind of the interconnectedness of all things and just reminding myself of that in such an individualist society and being mm. socialized to be an individual more than part of a larger whole. And I think I, the the part you were describing about the leaning back, uh, it's really kind of given me a physical understanding of um, how to think about my ancestors and the long line of people that I do not know all their names. I do not know their stories, but I know they're there and they're kind of supporting me, putting a hand or two in the middle of my back all the way back, you know, time of memoriam. And I think that idea has been super encouraging to me that regardless of what it is that's happening, right, there is that kind of ancestral support there, at least that's my understanding of it through the practice. And 
that pushes you into or pushes me into, you know, why do I do what I do and moving forward? Mm. And who do I do that for? Um, and so I think that those are all powerful dimensions for me and have really helped me to ground my own work through understanding who I am, why I do what I do, and where, where I want to go. Mm. That's awesome. Um, something you said about feeling into inherent dignity when you're talking about being six foot six, which like I'll just say having been w- just with you five days in Detroit, I don't know how frequently you've been working with that centering practice, but the way that you're showing up physically feels really centered. Like it feels in dignity, it feels tall and taking up space and it feels gentle and accessible. Like I'm sure you had some magic going before. Let's not accredit all of this to like practice 12 for the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, but like really a, like a beautiful filling up of, of space. Um, and one that really connects to me in this sense of like inherent dignity is the, probably the one that I've leaned on the most is practice 13 with Prentice Hemphill, um, who was, was the healing justice director uh, as part of the Black Lives Matter Global Network. And Prentice offered this practice called Belonging Reflection on episode 13. Mm-hmm. Did you listen to that one? Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. So I have actually used that one a ton of times. And for folks who follow Healing Justice on Instagram, you've probably seen me reposting it or doing an Instagram story talking about using it because I definitely go through um, cycles of feeling like really at home in my body and really clear about the work I'm called to do and where I belong and in good, in right relationship and feeling support. But then I also go through cycles where I start to feel like really overexposed, really undersupported, really confused about my purpose uh, and just really feeling like rejected about where I belong. And it, it sometimes doesn't take much. Like maybe it takes like two people kind of saying a sideways thing to me and I'm just like off course. Um, and so when I've noticed those moments happening where I feel really, I feel like overexposed is really the best word where I feel kind of hypervigilant and insecure. Um, yeah. I've given myself a challenge of like, okay, I'm going to do a daily challenge where every single day I am going to sit and do the belonging reflection. And it feels almost silly to do because, you know, I record these with people and then I edit them and then I post them and re-listen back to make sure the audio is good. So by the time a practice goes out into the world, I have done it and heard it like a bunch of times. Um, But I really love putting it on and just listening to Prentice Guide uh, and be able to offer a sense of support actually just through a recording Um, and I did it the first morning at Allied Media Conference too, before we presented together, uh, just trying to ground into like, oh yeah, my belonging actually isn't up for debate. And if I'm moving through the world in a way where I'm trying to wrestle my belonging out of things, (laughs) um, that puts me in a place to not really be able to show up in like a centered place of generosity and showing up to the need. It, It contorts me into a bunch of weird shapes but I'm just trying to squeeze the juice of my own belonging out of other people in other spaces. Um, so that one has been like super foundational for me and continues to be 
even last weekend, something that I play and lean on. Yeah, that idea of squeezing the belonging out of other people, I think, is so key in terms of connecting to that dignity portion that you're talking about. So, mm. yeah, mm. that's powerful. Thanks. Yeah, I want to shout out just a couple more that people have sent in stories around because I really love them. Um, one is the forgiveness meditation that Jacoby offered, Practice 24. And uh, during this season, because of all the work we were doing to put these beautiful practices out into the world, there was like a good two and a half months that I totally dropped the ball and didn't send even one single email to our email list. Um, so those who are on our email list, you may not even completely realize you are because I haven't been very good at like sending the emails to you. Um, and for those who want to join, you can do that at healingjustice.org. And if you're on it, check your spam folder because that's like a whole thing when you're using MailChimp for free is that people don't always see your emails. (laughs) Um, but when Jacoby offered this practice on forgiveness, I like woke up out of my no emailing slumber and sent it to the whole list because it felt so timely. And um, in some ways, like it feels bizarre that offering a, a meditation on forgiveness felt to me actually really subversive and really risky and really courageous of Jacoby to, to do that. Because I think our social justice spaces, like we get really good at a lot of different muscles. And I think forgiveness feels like a really tricky one and a really scary and dangerous one because forgiveness is often used as a bypass to, um, to deter us from the path of justice. Um, that saying like, oh, you should forgive people or you should have more grace or whatever is such a, can be such a dismissive vehicle when real injustice and real oppression is happening, right? And so I think we've gotten good at questioning forgiveness and being like, actually, this is not okay. <laughs> this is not okay. Um, we need to make change. But also there is a role for forgiveness in the way that we interact with each other. It just felt really brave to offer that forgiveness practice. And I, because I sent it out to the email list, I got a couple of replies back of folks who said almost what you said at the beginning of this, which is like, this practice arrived for me at the exact right time. And it was what I really needed. So I was really excited just to sort of see that, that like, um, how do you say when things just kind of come together, like a convalescent? What did you yeah. say? A synchronicity. <laughs> a synchronicity, yeah, of people who needed that practice. Yeah, and I, I also feel like that's something we talked about at Allied Media Conference is about the difficulty that we have forgiving each other. Um, and I think one of the powerful things about the practice is that it's one thing to kind of address or identify or diagnose an issue. Uh, it's another thing to have a tool to be able to you know, use and to work with now that that issue has been identified. And so I think that's um, a powerful role that the podcast plays as well. Yeah, I want to shout out just two more quick things, which uh, one that's really fun that was a super physical practice was the one with Dory Midnight. Um, It's called Essences for Everybody, Making Your Own Medicine. It was practice 28. And we saw on our social media, like a bunch of people posting photos of the essences that they're making. Um, It's a really fun, hands-on, out-in-nature medicine-making practice that's accessible to everyone. Um, I love Dory's description, and she also made like a whole instruction manual for it. Um, 
and that's one that I'm actually going to use in a couple weeks when I'm back uh, on the land that my family has been here in this country um, occupying for five generations, which is very complicated um, and also is the longest kind of known history that I have of my family. And I'm going to be using that practice, that essence making to connect to that land, which actually is going to be sold. So that land is, my family's no longer going to be on that land. Um, and I love the idea that Dory shares with us of like, you can make medicine that actually captures the energy of things, which for me is going to be kind of a practice in supporting me to let go. Uh, and she talks about how you can make it an essence of moments. Uh, and we also have been sharing uh, her Yes Liberation essence on our Patreon for people who have joined at the $13 a month level. And there's some of those that are still left. There's a limited quantity that we'll have, but it's a really sweet people's medicine for finding resilience in the face of oppression, channeling our anger, uh, and moving us forward into action. Um, and the other one I want to say too, have you heard have you heard any of them that you song, Justin? Like uh, If Not Now's episode or the Flowbots or Sacred Writing with the Peace Poets or Resistance Revival Chorus. Have you listened to any of those? I've listened to them, but I, I didn't have the same, you know, experience in terms of using them. So right, right. yeah, I did I did listen to a lot of them. Yeah. 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 All of those exercises are pretty much group exercises, but it sort of happened by chance that we ended up with four different singing or writing practices. Mm. Um, and so I kind of love that we have a, a mini collection there and we got some amazing stories back in terms of people using those with groups of youth that they're part of, preparing to go to actions, preparing their chants and songs for actions. And so that one was really sweet too. So We've got this whole library. There's like 32 practices in this uh, archive on the podcast so far. I think it's a great gift to us and probably all of our listeners that we're taking a summer pause because 32 is like more practices than any human should be doing anyway. <laughs> um, and so I want to ask you as we head into the summer and we take a pause on releasing new ones, I just wanted to ask you, Justin. What recommendation do you have for people for engaging this resource uh, and integrating it into their lives? I think I, maybe I can speak on what I will do. Um, as I kind of work through the summer, I think there's a couple that I want to check out that I haven't checked out yet and just kind of sit with them. I think we were saying earlier that 32 is way too many to tackle at once. It's a huge library of practices and just one of them can probably take up my time uh, for the the rest of the summer, uh, really integrating it into life and um, work. And so I think that that's what I'm going to do. Um, And I think that maybe for folks, there's one that we've talked about that they haven't done before that's on the list that they haven't done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what yeah, what I would say is kind of doing that and sitting with one and seeing where that practice takes you and how it begins to affect life and work and family and all that. Mm. That's right. Yeah, it feels like um maybe a big permission that we need to give folks is like it is actually not good for you to try to do all of these. Um, so give yourself permission not to listen to everything, not to try everything. 
And like you said, just see which ones you're drawn to and see if you can integrate those on some kind of a regular level because change and transformation comes from that, that repetition. That's what we mean by practice. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and also with that, one of the things that Adrian Murray Brown said this weekend and says in the emergent strategy um, is, you know, you don't have to go in order either. You know, mm. the idea of nonlinearity, uh, I think with the numbers, there may be a, a feeling that you have to go in order um, one through 32, but I would say choose the ones that kind of stick out to you and go with that, go with your gut and your intuition on which mm. ones to, to go with. That's right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being with us in such a regular way, Justin, and for the ways you're using practice in your own life and doing that yeah. inner work to show up to this work. It's so good to share this experience with you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Okay, everybody, I hope listening in on that conversation was useful to ground this idea of practice. Practice, of course, means that uh, we are doing something with intentional repetition so that it can actually become part of who we are. And as you're reflecting on a focus, you know, whenever you're listening to this for your next season, maybe you uh, you're feeling connected to the astrological seasons. Maybe uh, you're thinking about late summer or fall. Maybe uh, you have a birthday happening um, or a transition in your life or thinking about the moon cycle. Uh, There are so many different kinds of seasons changing and transitioning at all times that we can uh, attach ourselves to. We can become aware of and actually join and co-conspire with in order to mark periods of time and invite the kind of change and transformation that we want. And one thing that really strikes me sort of as healing work is becoming increasingly popularized is uh, both an excitement about the popularization, the, the, the increased access to different modalities and language um, and practices And also there's this question of like, as things become mainstreamized, um, can we preserve a sense of knowing why we're doing what we're doing, where it comes from, being in reciprocity and acknowledgement of that source, and also being in deep respect and studentship around the potential of the practice we're engaging in. And I'll share a quick reflection. You know, I was interacting with someone recently who was talking about uh, crystals and bringing their crystals and setting them up uh, in our workspace. And I asked, oh, what is your, you know, what is your relationship to crystals? What, you know, what work do you do with them or what's your intention in using them? Um, Not in a quizzing way and not in a shade throwing way, but out of curiosity and, uh, the person was stumbling to come up with an answer, right? And we don't have to like, it's not like somebody is the practice police and you have to be able to explain and justify everything you're doing all the time. I certainly do things in my life that are just because I like them and it's not like a huge deep experience. But I I do think it's very important as we're thinking about adding things to our lives that are already very full 
that we have a very clear understanding of the why and are very much in relationship with building it in as a real practice, not as a hobby, not as decoration, um, and not as like kind of casual appropriation. And so I invite you, as you look back at the practice library that we have available here on the podcast, or just think about practices in your own life that have been useful or that you want to pick up again or double down on, I invite you to think about one intention for this next season. One intention. For me, right now, I just reset my altar for those who... um, Enjoy building an altar or sacred space in your home. Uh, There's an incredible practice about that that Kara Page recorded for us on episode eight. And so I just refreshed my altar. I cleaned it. I replaced some of the objects. I moved it around to actually represent my new intention, which for now is about uh, moving with the collective, really situating myself in nature and in history, and Uh, The energy of that is an energy of remembering and softening. And so as I'm working to bring more remembering and more softening into the way that I show up, I am thinking about practices that cultivate remembering and softening and picking one or two things that I'm going to do regularly that cultivate that. So as you think about this next season, what is the... uh, What is the core transformation that you want to invite? Not a laundry list of I want to change all these things about myself because I need to check off all this personal growth and I'm supposed to be better already. But what is like one core way in which you want to feel some internal shifts happening? And based on the answer to that question, We invite you to choose either from your own life or from the podcast, a practice that you can commit to doing regularly, ideally daily, at least weekly, that can help cultivate a little bit of that space inside of you. And this applies also to group life. What is one way in which your team is aspiring to transform? And maybe one of the group activities embodies that intention. We have group activities here for going deep into conflict. We have group activities around sacred writing and expression. Uh, The Flowbots offered us a practice that's playfulness and song and uh, some friendly competition. Uh, They're singing together. There are a lot of group practices here. There's there's the practice on uh, reflecting and including if your group is... um, Uh, collapses under the pressure of conflict and you need to do more bridge building of uh, folks coming to mutual understanding. There are a lot of options here, but doing all of them at once is not an option. We actually cannot integrate into our own bodies or into group culture a lot of new ways of being at once. We can barely integrate one with great attention and commitment. So that's the invitation I hope that this library is of use to you. And also, if you share with us, you can either go to healingjustice.org. There's an inbox on our website. We read every message we get. And also on Instagram or on Facebook or Twitter. 
if you're working with a practice, if you're working with a particular intention, it can sometimes help to share that out loud. So feel free to share an image or a reflection and tag us uh, so that we can celebrate with you and encourage you on, onward in your focused intention and your commitment to practice. This has been episode two in a three-part series of Healing Justice Podcast Season 1 Reflection. So grateful to Justin Campbell for joining us to talk about practice today and grateful to each of you for your commitment to transforming yourselves and transforming together in the service of liberation movements. You'll hear us in the next episode talking with Marsha Lee and with Zach Meyer about a little bit further reflection on this season and what it's going to look like for us to go into season two. And you'll also hear a practice from Fatima Paulino reading a gorgeous radical gratitude spell that was written by Adrian Marie Brown. You can always find us at healingjustice.org as we move toward a break. This is a wonderful place to keep in touch by joining our mailing list. And you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the whole deal. Thank you to Zach Meyer at The Coal Room for producing this episode. And we'll hear you soon.